secure financial advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Welcome, everyone. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, Alan Klopine next to me. Thanks for tuning in here for the next couple of hours, talking financial matters, financial planning, taxes, investments, the markets, Social Security, whatever. That's what I got now. Just okay. a whole hodgepodge. Well, that's like every week. What do you got? I got really cool stuff. I've got six uh, smart ways to lower your required minimum distributions. Six? six required minimum distributions, yeah, six. I've got, uh, oh, new rules on... Um, if you if you miss your 60 day rollover, some some uh, some ways to avoid that uh, that penalty. Yeah, that's hot off the press. But that came out on Wednesday. Yeah, it came out on Wednesday. It's uh, almost the end of August. Hopefully, everyone enjoyed their summer. Yes, Labor Day weekend is right around. The, is it Labor, Labor Day? It, Labor Day. Labor Day. Uh, it's going to be uh, next weekend actually. Uh, but I'm running in a in a race in La Jolla on Sunday. It's called the End of Summer a race from La Jolla to Pacific Beach. That'll be fun. So For some reason, you didn't want to do it. Sounds like a great time Sunday morning. <laughs> get get up early. Yeah. With a thousand other people. Yeah. And no. run, run four miles. Um, here, well, give me. Uh, let, let, I want to hear the six key ways to re- reduce your RMDs. Okay, so so let's explain first of all what yes. an RMD is. Excellent. That is called a required minimum distribution. So once you turn seventy and a half, uh, you have to start pulling money out of an IRA. Um, if you are seventy and a half and still working and own less than five percent of the company, you can delay your required minimum distribution until you retire. Then that required distribution is April 1st, um, the year after you retire. But uh, so that what this article is saying, some snazzy ways to reduce the RMD. Well, yeah, Joe, because a lot of people that have saved in their retirement accounts, they get frustrated at 70 and a half. Yeah, I saw a study that a lot of individuals that have a, a certain balances, they don't spend them. They don't spend them, right? And so they get frustrated because now they have to pay taxes on, on income they don't even spend. Right. So if you have a retirement account, every dollar that goes into the retirement, not every dollar, but um, if it's pre-tax, yep. right, then that dollar goes tax deferred. And then when you pull it out, then it's taxed at ordinary income rates. Correct. And so if you're a first-time listener to the show, we talk about taxes quite a bit. Big Al's a CPA. I'm a certified financial planner. We've been doing the show 10 years. Um, Al's been in the business 30 years. Me, uh, about 18 years. So we know a couple of things. Sure. Um, not all. But yeah. a couple. Yeah, we when don't profess to, to know everything. When it comes to taxes and finance, we know at least half of it. <laughs> yeah, if that. Oh, so all right. So let's talk about savvy ways. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna throw out a few guesses. I'm all gonna right. say one's a Roth conversion. I'm gonna okay. say one is spend your money. I'm gonna say number two is to gift it. Okay. Number. Th- uh, so what's that? That's three. Three. Uh, four. Let me see. What else? So you got three of the six already. All right. See. Boom. See <laughs> half. That's half. That's that's, that's, that's all half. we. That's, that's our we, knowledge level. That's is all half. we said. <laughs> we got big gaps. Oh man. How else can I reduce my required distribution? Um, I can die. <laughs> That's number seven. <laughs> yeah, that it? wasn't the recommended thing. Uh, let's see. What else could I do? So I can do that um, gift of $100,000 to a qualifying charity. Yep. I can do a Roth conversion because a Roth conversion would reduce the RMD because now I paid the tax and put it into a Roth. Yep. I can just spend the money. That would reduce it. Yep. yep. Um, all right. Okay. So you got one, two, and five. One, two, and six. 
The other three are probably just really (laughs) stupid. We'll see. All right. Uh, so number one is they they title it as manage your withdrawals, which is another way to say spend your money. Uh, so once you turn fifty nine and a half, you can withdraw money from your tax deferred accounts without paying a ten percent penalty. Sure, and I yeah, guess you, what you, they're saying is that to to fill up the brackets. In that's sense, right, right. That's right. So you have to pay tax on it, of course, but you don't have to pay that ten percent penalty. Uh, so you have to pay ordinary income taxes. But maybe you're in a low bracket. You just retired, and you want to fill up those lower brackets. Right? Yeah, because I think a lot of advice is always defer that, right? Yeah. You don't want to spend it because it's taxed at ordinary income rates. God yeah. forbid you spend that. Sure. So spend right. everything else and let that continue to defer and only take it out when you absolutely have to. Yeah, that, that is the advice. And what happens, Joe, as you know, is you retire and in many cases you're in a lower tax bracket because you're living off of your non-qualified, your non-retirement assets that are tax efficient. You're in very low brackets and then all of a sudden you hit 70 and a half and you're in very high brackets. And if you could sort of manage that and level that out a little bit and actually fill up those lower brackets, even though you don't have to, you end up paying a lot less taxes over your lifetime. And so, of course, that's one way to do it is just pull money out of the IRA and put it into your non-qualified account or or spend it. But that's not the best way. The best way is number two, which is converting to a Roth IRA. So it has the same tax treatment. Actually, you can do a Roth conversion. You can take money out of your IRA, out of your 401k, and you can put it into a Roth IRA. You pay tax on it in just the same manner as if you took it out and spent it. So it's it's not like you, you know, it's, it's not like you, you put the money in your own savings account, you put it in a Roth account. But the advantage there is all future income growth and principal is 100% tax-free. Yeah, there's no age limitation to this too, and there's no income limitation. So um, I get this is like, well, no, I can't put money into the Roth because I'm retired. Well, no, you can always convert. If you have money in a retirement account, you can take those dollars out of the retirement account, pay the tax on it, and put it into a Roth. And then you're thinking, well, why on earth would I want to do that? Is that okay? Well, if you're going to keep it in the IRA, it's going to continue to grow, hopefully, for you, right? And so all of that growth is still in the shell of an IRA. When you pull that out, the principal or what you know, whatever that you were go- going to convert is still in the IRA. Yes. So that plus the growth is all going to be taxed at ordinary income. If you can do this strategically and start chipping away at this thing and slowly start getting money out of the retirement accounts, moving it into a Roth, yeah, you pay tax on it, but then all future growth in principle, everything is going to come out to you tax-free. And then let's say if you need an emergency opportunity or if you want to control your tax brackets long-term, it's ideal to have dollars in different tax categories to really control the taxes because then you can pull from different areas and reduce the overall tax bite. Yeah, and stay out of higher tax brackets. And a lot of people don't realize you can do these Roth conversions even before 59 and a half. You can be any age and do a conversion. You can be in your 20s and do a conversion. Yes, you pay the tax, but there is no 10% penalty when it's a Roth conversion. Right, now, unless now, you withhold. So that's a good point yeah. is that because even I'm under 59 and a half, I'm 40 years old, I do a Roth IRA conversion. There is no penalty to do that. People think, no, I have to be 59 and a half. No, that's wrong. The IRS classifies it as a rollover. So a rollover is a tax or a, a penalty-free event in this scenario. You do have to pay the taxes. However, if you withhold taxes, that's where you get in trouble, right? Because then that withholding is paying the IRS. Well, that withholding to pay the IRS to pay the tax, that's not a qualified distribution. So that would be subject to the 10% penalty. Right, right. So you got to be careful that when you're under 59 and a half. But, uh, but yeah, Roth conversions, and it's, it's not 
all or nothing. You can convert as much as you want to in any given year. So usually you want to do it over several years to stay out of higher tax brackets. And here's one more quick tip is if you do a conversion, let's say of $50,000 and you're ready to do your tax return next year and you realize, oh my goodness, I, I went into the next bracket by $10,000. You can actually recharacterize next year for this year's conversion as if that $10,000 didn't happen. You take $10,000 out of the Roth and now you send it back to the IRA. So now it's like you only converted $40,000. So you can fine tune this uh, into next year up to the filing date of your return, April 15th or October 15th, if you extend. I mean, there's a lot of things that you have to really consider to have a rock solid retirement game plan. I mean, there's so many different strategies that you can combine to reduce your taxes, maximize the overall wealth to you, your family, uh, to the next generation. Um, it's not about a number. It's not just about your investments. I mean, imagine if you could fill in all the gaps and have all the answers to a rock-solid retirement game plan that covered everything from A to Z. I mean, imagine what kind of confidence that would bring. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name is Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Check us out on iTunes if you like. A lot of podcast listeners out there. iTunes, Your Money, Your Wealth. You can get us any day, anytime. Um, it comes directly to your smart tablet, phone, whatever that you use uh, to listen to podcasts. Podcasts, yeah. So a couple of different events that we're doing. Go to purefinancial.com to get more information here, but we're doing a webinar coming up here in the next week or two on long-term care. Uh, not necessarily long-term care insurance, but just all the different things that you have to consider in regards to that. Then we dive in. Uh, we're doing some, um, every last Wednesday of the month, we're starting that next month, is we're doing just a quick lunch and learn. Uh, 45 minutes, give you a sandwich, uh, come into the office. Uh, we just break it down to 20 people. And so we go through kind of a retirement income scenario. It's kind of an introduction to financial planning. Uh, so if you want more information, you can go to our website on that as well. So purefinancial.com. We're talking about ways to reduce your required minimum distribution. And Big Al has six key things here. And we've gone through what, two of them? Gone through two. And uh, so at 70 and a half, you have to start taking money out of your IRA, 401k, even if you don't want to. And uh, a lot of people, they where they've saved a lot of money into these IRAs, 401ks, they don't necessarily need all that income, but all of a sudden they get jumped into a higher tax bracket. So the first way was when you retire and before 70 and a half, you start withdrawing money out of your IRA just to fill up lower brackets, maybe put it in your savings account, maybe you spend it. Or a better way is actually to convert those same dollars into a Roth IRA so that all future growth and income is tax-free. Here's the third one, Joe. We don't really talk about this much, but this is a valid way to reduce your RMD is invest in a QLAC. Oh, whatever. A qualified longevity Q-lack. longevity annuity contract. Sure. So <laughs> here's what it is, is that you can invest in a this qualified longevity annuity. Uh, and for example, it would be uh, like a 65-year-old man who puts $100,000, and this is a policy, I guess, and we don't sell insurance, so we're not, we're not promoting insurance at all, but this is New York Life, uh, I guess at the time of this article, which just came out from Kiplinger in August. They said invest $100,000, age 65, at age 85, which is the latest that you can actually start receiving a payment stream. This individual would receive 22331 of guaranteed income. For the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. 
So here's the idea. The idea is is it's if you if you live a long life, you, this hundred thousand dollars is helps you bridge the gap from uh, you know from living into your nineties or even hundreds, which a lot of people are doing right now. So unfortunately, let's say you die at eighty three, you lost the hundred thousand dollars. It's just like any insurance product in a sense, like home insurance. You pay that policy every single year, and if your home doesn't burn down, well, it's it's lost money. But if your home does burn down, you're glad you have it. I think there's different types of hybrid products and things like that. We should probably get a little brushed up on the old QLAC. QLAC. Well, here's a couple more things that we do know within our 50% of knowledge that we actually yeah, do see, know. I yeah, see. I told you. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is you can do, uh, you can invest in your IRA uh, up to 25% of your IRA or 401k or $125,000, whichever is less. So if you've got millions in your IRA, this probably isn't going to help you too much. But maybe you have a couple hundred thousand or 400,000 and you've got longevity in the family. So once you invest it in this, this, this qualified longevity annuity contract, that piece is not subject to the required minimum distribution. So you could effectively defer it from 70 and a half to age 85 if you want to. Got it. So anyway, that's one. Here's number four. Okay. And we talk about this, although I, I don't think we've said it this way, rejigger investments. <laughs> okay. Which so, is asset location? Yes. Another way to lower your RMDs is to use tax-deferred accounts for bonds and bond funds and use taxable accounts for stocks and stock funds because the bonds are going to grow less. You don't necessarily want your highest growth assets in your IRA. It just increases your future required distribution. So here's a quick example of what asset location means because I think people hear that and then they blow themselves up because most of you probably have the bulk of your wealth inside the retirement accounts. Um, and that's very common. I mean, we see millions are now in these 401ks, IRAs, and defined benefit plans and everything else. And there's, you know, we still have many, many clients that have millions outside, but it's it's more common to see the bulk of the liquid assets. Um, so, you, you know, you might have a real estate portfolio, then you have a retirement account, you got some cash reserves, and you got, you know, a couple of cars. Sure. That's usually what we see. Um, so, but let's say you do have some money outside of your retirement account. Let's say you got a million bucks inside your 401k and you got a hundred thousand dollars in a brokerage account. So that's a million one. Okay. And then someone will hear this and say, okay, well you want to keep your bonds in your retirement account, your stocks in your brokerage account. And so then the brokerage account will be in stocks and then they got everything in the retirement account in bonds. So they got a million dollars in bonds. Yeah. You don't want to do that either. Right? So you take a look at what is the mix. So let's say you want a 50-50 split, right? So 50% stocks, 50% bonds. Well, then you're like, well, here, I don't have 50% outside. Well, yeah, I know. So you fill up your, your brokerage account with stocks, and then you go to the retirement account, fill that up with stocks, and then you put the rest of the 50 in the bonds. Yeah, I'm glad you explained that, Joe, because I, I think a lot of people do sort of take stuff out of context and then and then take it as gospel. And really, you, I mean, if you had it- You look at your allocation yeah. first. So you want a 60-40 split, 70-30 yeah. split, 50-50, whatever that is, and then do some math to figure yeah. out how you fill your overall qualified, non-qualified yeah. Roth buckets. And to make it even a little bit more complicated, I mean, if you got $100,000 outside of retirement, maybe you want to have 50 thousand dollars in a in a cash reserve or yeah i'm just right? saying that that was earmarked for retirement but yeah. i just want to be clear on that too so then maybe you got fifty thousand in cash fifty thousand in stocks in your in your non-retirement account and then you do the rest between stocks and bonds for your 50 50 allocation or whatever allocation that you want to do whatever makes sense for you right and you know you take a look at um because 
how it works is you want to dampen the, the, the growth in the retirement account. But what we see often is that maybe you might have several hundred thousand dollars outside. Maybe you sold a business. Maybe you sold some property. You inherit some money. And then we see most of that in cash. And then maybe 100000 is fine in cash, but you have 300000 in cash. Well, you're, you're looking at retiring. Hey, well, I want to keep this fairly safe because I'm going to be start drawing down from it. Well, no, then you have to take a look at a distribution strategy. You don't want to blow through all your non-retirement assets first and let your retirement assets grow. So some of that should be invested in earmarked long-term for retirement. And then you can start taking a little bit from the retirement account and a little bit from the brokerage account. Then you have to look at taxes. But most people will say, no, I'm going to keep this in cash, spend that down, and then touch the retirement accounts. And they're missing a huge, huge opportunity from a tax-efficient retirement income strategy. Yeah, that is the the advice that a lot of people are getting. And the, the reason why that's not very good advice is because if you think about it, if you invest in stocks outside of your retirement accounts and you hold a stock or stock mutual fund or whatever for at least a year and you sell it, it's it's subject to a special long-term capital gain rate. You ever hear the thing about Warren Buffett paying lower taxes than his secretary? Well, that's because he is investing. And when you invest, the government says, we're going to give you a special tax rate because we want you to invest. We want you to hold your investments for a year. So that tax rate, the capital gains rate is in some cases 0%, in some cases 15%, in other cases 20% for those that make the most money. Now, uh, the ordinary income tax rate starts at 10%. It goes to 39.6%. So it's a lot higher rate, Joe. Right. And so I think what, what people have to take a look at is forward looking when it comes to an overall tax strategy instead of, all right, well, here, this is what I'm going to draw today. If you take a look forward and say, this is what where my taxable income is going to be, here's my distribution strategy. And th- you have to take a look at it every single year. It, isn't that true, Joe? Because it's, it's, I mean, I think most people, what we see is they look at one year at a time. And when you look at a whole bunch of years, like all your years of retirement all at one time, you probably will make pretty big uh, uh, changes in your strategy. And the whole reason is because you do have some control over your taxes as long as you know what the strategies are and what's, what's available to you. But uh, most people don't realize it. Most people don't realize they have much control, but in retirement is when you have the most control over your taxes because you set up your own distribution plan. You draw your assets from wherever you want to within certain limitations like a required distribution. But what we have found is a lot of advisors out there are not giving you the right advice. They're not teaching you how to maximize your tax brackets, particularly when you first retire in your lower in, in your in lower tax brackets, and it's because a lot of advisors don't focus on forward-looking tax-efficient strategies. Now back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Uh, you're listening to you, Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Big Al Klopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out online. Our firm is called Pure Financial Advisors, Pure Financial Dot com is the website. A lot of different events coming up from now until the end of the year. Doing some webinar series once a month. We did one on Medicare last month. Uh, we're doing one on long-term care. We did one on identity theft. We did a tax one. Uh, so all sorts of different things. More education. Go to Pure Financial. Just click on the Learning Center, I believe. Um, and you'll find a bunch of different information there, too. we got hundreds of videos as well. We do. And, and if you did miss any of those old webinars, they're right on the website. Yes. So we send out the invite, right? Yes. And so we do the webinar during the day, mm-hmm. 10 o'clock, 10 to 11 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's a normal time. Right. Yeah. And so you can 
log in, and then we say on the invite, yeah, hey, register. All you got to do is register for the webinar, and then you will be sent a link to the replay. And then you know how many emails? Hey, I work for a living. Joe, this is not a good time. Have (laughs) you ever ever thought of doing it on Saturdays? (laughs) Yeah, can we? How about about Friday night? (laughs) That'll work. I'm like, well, did you read the invitation? Invitation said all you got to do is register, and you can watch it at your leisure. So if you want to watch it Sunday morning at 4 a.m., you got it. You know why, though, because we're, we're on information overload. You get emails, you get hundreds of emails every day, and you, don't, you just don't have time to read them. So there you go. Is that oh, okay? <laughs> I'm just telling you reality. <laughs> we're uh, getting into um, some required minimum distributions. thought this article was going to take five minutes, but now we're in segment three. Yeah, we're still rolling. Six, six ways to re- reduce your required minimum distribution, and we did the first four, and I got two more, Joe. All right. And uh, so one of them... You know this one. Keep working. It's 70 and a half. Your 401k. As long as you're not the owner, as long as you don't own more than 5% of the company, guess what? That company 401k and you're working, you don't have to take a required minimum distribution. And if you got some old 401ks, maybe you can even roll them into your new company 401k and then you don't have to take a required distribution from them either. Right. You have to be an active participant in the plan and no more, uh, you can't be a 5% owner. And you know what? This whole five percent owner—it's—it's it's complicated, right? Yes. So let's say this. Here's here's kind of a couple of different side notes with this. Okay. Uh, that I've ran into, um, where let's say I'm a five percent owner. I'm seventy and a half. Okay. Maybe I'm a ten percent owner. Whatever. Okay. And then I'm seventy and a half. That means, oops, I'm in the four one k plan. I'm taking my distribution, but. Wait a minute. Now I'm, re- you know, getting older, right? Maybe I want to slow things down, so I'm going to start selling my shares, right? Giving some of the company, um, you know, selling it to, uh, you know, other employees of the firm or whatever. So now I'm down to a two percent in um, owner of the company, and I'm seventy three, right? I'm still sure. working. I still got money in the plan. I'm still active participant. I'm putting money into the plan. Do I have to take a required distribution? What do you think? Uh, I wasn't listening. <laughs> you answered. <laughs> Come on. I, I wasn't. I wasn't even listening. You're looking at me smiling now. I'm just trying, no. to, I'm trying to encourage you. <laughs> the answer is it doesn't matter. As long as you're a 5% owner of the company and you gave all your shares away the next year, you still have to take a required distribution really? because you once were. Okay, well, I heard the answer. How about this, Al? Okay, I'll, listen, I'll listen you this time. Give, let's say you have family members, right? You have a family business. Yes. And you have a 401k plan. Okay. Right? And you're 100% owner, but then you give all of your shares to your son. Okay. Okay? 100% you're 70 of the shares. And, yeah, so you have no more ownership of that firm. Your son does. Do you have to take a required distribution? Well, that sounds like the other one, so I'd say yes. No, you, let's say you're 65 years old. You give it to your son. Your son's- Oh, you're 65. Right, so you, and now you're 70 it. and a half. You don't own any of the company. Yeah, so, well, maybe not. Yes, you do. <laughs> because they look at... Um, what, what it was at one point, huh? No, they look at um, kids. They look they at look spouses. At they look at whatever. Wow, so if you're you, working, your spouse owns 10% or 5%, and you're working, yeah. it's still. So it kind of goes down the family you, tree as well. You are. All right. Very good. That's, so are you listening now? So yeah. This is some good information that you need to learn. I Because you're going to run into a scenario, I guarantee you, next week. And then you'll be I, like, I you know what? Anderson was talking about this right. on the radio. What was I'm he sitting saying? right I, next to him. I wish I was listening. <laughs> And I know our listeners do that. Yes. They, they tune out selectively because oh, it's not yes. very interesting sometimes. <laughs> I thought it was very interesting. 
I thought but, I was just giving you some nuggets here. Anyway, I'm I'm with you now. That's, All right, that's good stuff. Okay, right. I'm so, tuning out now. The, you go whatever you got to go with. One, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The last one you don't. Yeah, don't listen. Well, you you already guessed this one. Donate your required minimum distribution. What's that called again? Uh, it's called a direct uh, IRA contribution or, or, or RMD to charity. I guess. <laughs> oh <my laughs> I don't God. know. Oh, I mean, this show is awful. <laughs> it's, so here's the concept. I don't know what it's called. It's I thought just, it was like I thought it had an acronym of some sort. Probably. All right. It's not in. Are this, you a CPA? It's not in this article. Do you know how many acronyms <laughs> I have to memorize? I don't know them all. So, so when you hit seventy and a half, <laughs> you have to start taking a required minimum distribution. So the, here's what the IRS, and this is something. It's kind of weird. They, they came up with this rule about seven, eight years ago. And they just did it one year at a time. And then every single year they 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 put through a bill to decide whether they want to extend this rule again for yet another year. And they kept doing it and kept doing it. One year they actually didn't even extend it until the so year was yeah, over. Right. So try to figure that. But anyway, so they now it's a permanent rule. So you're at age seventy and a half, you can give up to a hundred thousand uh, dollars from your IRAs directly to charity. Each and every year, and if you're married, it's a hundred thousand each. So that can be in lieu of your required minimum distribution. There's no problem with that. And so, some people that have lots and lots of money uh, in their IRAs and they're charitable, then uh, then they they can go ahead and do that. that's a permanent rule. And like I say, each and every year. And sometimes, even if you just do a little bit that way, what happens is you you take your Required minimum distribution off off of your what's called adjusted gross income, page one of your form 1040, which then may reduce how much of your social security income is taxable. So there's some real benefits for some taxpayers in doing this. In in other cases, by getting that required minimum distribution off the adjusted gross income, page one, then they keep out of having to pay that Medicare surtax on interest and dividends and capital gains. So if if you're a, actually, this, this applies to lower income earners as well as higher, this can be a great strategy, assuming and presuming that you've got some extra capital that you don't need yourself. Right. <clears throat> so yeah, if you don't need to spend it, that's probably the best um, way to give to charity because right, you're, you're taking money that's in a shell that's tax deferred that's going to be taxed at ordinary income uh, to get that out of your estate and give that to the charity versus cash or you know selling an asset and then giving it to the charity. Uh, so there's different strategies there. I'm saying instead of selling it, you could just give that uh, appreciated asset to uh, the charity. So I mean, you know, retiring today, it it it's successfully, I guess, it doesn't happen by accident. It's more than just saving and investing for retirement. It happens with the plan. It happens with the plan for how and when you'll claim your Social Security benefits, for instance. It happens with the plan for when you will draw your money from your IRAs or 401ks and other retirement accounts. It happens with the plan to pay fewer taxes. And it happens with the plan to turn your savings and investments into income while reducing your risk. Do you have that plan? Now back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money or Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner, Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Go to purefinancial.com. Learn a little bit more about us, our firm. We're a fee-only registered investment advisor, a fiduciary 100% of the time. Uh, there's never a product sold at our firm. 
Uh, what we do is give advice. Uh, so if you want more information about us, go to purefinancial.com. What else do you got? It looks like you got a whole bunch of highlighting um, there on that article. That I did some I, some time on that one, huh? I, I you got did. Got some side notes. Yeah, I mean these are just kind of interesting. You, you've you've talked about this centurions. Yes, those that are over a hundred. Yeah. So as of two thousand fourteen, there were seventy two thousand. Seventy two thousand Amer- Americans. Now there's that, probably about two hundred thousand. Well, I don't know right now. Right now, but what's what's being estimated by two thousand fifty is a million. A million, and and by the way, this seventy-two thousand is forty-four percent higher than in the year two thousand. And so here's the the quandary: is that in a lot of cases we are planning for a retirement of maybe twenty years, sixty-five to eighty-five, but a lot of us are living into our nineties, right? Right, and uh, even a hundred. And they actually, uh, this is um, investment news, uh, did a survey of three hundred forty-eight advisors to find out. Well, you're doing financial planning. To what age are you doing the financial planning to? And it was kind of interesting. What they found out was that advisors use an average lifespan of 91 years for men and 94 for women. Huh. We use 95. We use 95 for both. Sometimes 100. Some of our some of our clients feel like they've got a longer life expectancy, and we can of course run it to anything that you want. But uh, what's interesting is uh, that's. If you think about it, that's those are reasonable numbers because for a 65-year-old, the average life expectancy for male is about 84, almost 85, and for a woman, it's 87, almost 88, uh, according to the CDC, uh, which is the Control for Disease Center for uh, <laughs> Disease Control. Forget it. <laughs> oh my God. Centers, <laughs> Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. That's what that is. <laughs> you thought it, I thought it was so tight on this too. <laughs> you got it highlighted. I know. There's like side notes. What oh, the man. heck is that? So, but so we're living longer. But here's the thing, Joe. Is yeah. that's the average, right? Right. So, 80, but what happens if you're above average? I mean, so half are below for men, eighty-four, and half are above. But so a lot of men and certainly women are living into their nineties and hundreds. And if you haven't really thought this through. Then it it sort of messes up your whole <laughs> retirement plan, right? For sure, right? And I mean, I think more and more of us know individuals that are in their late eighties, nineties. You know, and then there's a lot of you that know people that are, um, you know, age one hundred. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a lot more common, and it's going to be more common. Yeah, what's interesting, Joe, is is when you sort of track life expectancy. If you go, because that's what I do on the weekends. <laughs> you track it? <laughs> yes, I do. So, I'd love to. so in, in right the, when I'm going to leave this show, I, I go back to my <laughs> little. Tra- yeah, chart- I got charts you everywhere. Got, my this little chart room. I oh, call you got, it. You got the chart room. I, I have a chart yeah? room. Nice. Yes, okay. it's on the age wave and life expectancies. Well, I, I took a picture of your chart room, <laughs> and in 1900, the average life expectancy from for a newborn is 47 years. 47 years. Mm-hmm. All right. And 2016, it's 79. 79 for newborn. For newborn. Now right. realize when you're at by age 65, you've already passed through, some, you know, a yes, whole lot sir, of time. Yeah, right. So your odds now are to make it to between 84 and maybe 88, depending upon your male or female. And then once I hit 70, then I can get down to what close to 90 or something. Yeah, when you, uh, I think when you hit 75, I gotta go to my chart room. For yeah, that men one. men can expect to live on average to 86, and women 80. Uh, but here's what they're thinking by 2050. The average for a newborn uh, will live to about 84, and women 86, and men 81. That's a newborn. So that means if you're 65, you're probably looking into your 
90s. 90s, yeah. So I'm going to be doing this show until I'm 100 years old. I can't believe oh Pretty sure. <laughs> You're going to go through like six co-hosts. But the, but the, <laughs> <laughs> but the, so interestingly enough, at least I found this interesting, uh, is there, te- there tend to be uh, growth spurts in life expectancies based upon certain things that happen. So like in the early, uh, early 1900s, 20th century, uh, the life expectancy grew because of improvements in, in infrastructure, like sewer systems and, and decline uh, of incommunicable diseases. So that's pretty cool. And the second half of the century, life expectancies grew because of education, money, antibiotics, improvements in surgical interventions, better prevention. So who knows what the next spurt will be? Yeah. Early detection from other cancer, other diseases. So, so yeah, you don't know. But then the most important thing, Joe, is... So if we're living longer, how do we how do we adjust our retirement plans to be able to accommodate that? And I think the first thing that you got to do is is work longer. Yes, exactly. And if you work longer, let's think about that. Because if you if you retire at age sixty six, which is the but the cr- average age right now is still sixty two. I know, I know. But even if you retire at sixty six, waiting till seventy is a big difference. But you're right. The average age, at least the last report that I saw for women was sixty two, and men was a little bit closer to sixty four. But still, if you retire at sixty two. And, and take your Social Security then uh, versus waiting till age 70, which is the last date that you can take Social Security. It's a 76% increase from 62 to age 70. So in other words, instead of receiving $1,000 per month, you're receiving about 1720 or whatever your number is. Multiply it by 1.72, and that's how much more that you would receive right. just from Social Security. Then let's also think about, all right, so you worked another eight years you saved, you hopefully saved into your 401k or your 403b or whatever savings vehicle you have, another eight years of savings and growth. And by the way, you were not withdrawing those funds for retirement. So you're in such a stronger position if you work longer. And sometimes, Joe, it's even working a year or two longer it makes a huge difference. Right. It's just, a, you know, just tweaking a couple of different things. Yeah. <clears throat> I think still, I mean, we, we have a lot of clients that retired early and a lot of them are like man i think i I, I might have retired a little bit too early right right, right. it's like well you know now i'm, I'm looking I'm, to, to, i'm getting the itch you know to right. do something here yeah yeah you know, I, I had you know a good couple of years i got the honeydews done i did a little bit of traveling i did this and that and now it's like okay yeah you gotta find something to do. <laughs> something to do and Joe, you know as well as I do, a lot of people expect that they're going to be working longer because they need to or, or they want to. But we do find out from a recent study that about 50% of retirees leave the workforce earlier than they had planned. And that's usually because of poor health or layoffs right. or being a, a, a care provider for a spouse or parent or something like that. Very, very common. So because of that... I think a lot of financial advisors, I mean, the old rule used to be save 10% of your income. A lot of advisors are now saying 15%, 15. which is what we say too. I think that's a better number. It's a better goal. Uh, and of course, the sooner you do it, the better. If you, if you start saving 15% in your 20s, you're probably in pretty good shape. If you haven't saved anything and you're 58, you probably need to save more than 15% to make this work right. and cut spending and so forth. And I would say probably the other thing that uh, doesn't get a lot of press, Joe, uh, is taxes because 
when you think about it, a lot of folks have saved the majority of their assets in their retirement accounts, and when they pull those assets out, it's taxed at their ordinary income rate. Right. They need. I mean, most people need every strategy they can possibly think of to stretch out their dollar another year, another two years, three years, four years, or something like that. I, I, I had a, a, um, a webinar meeting with um, Bob Keebler, who's been on the show, um, and just looking at some you know tax efficiencies on the withdrawal strategies of how much longer that the money will go. Um, I mean, if you're smart about this, and what that that's what we've been trying to teach you for the last ten years of be more tax savvy when it comes to your retirement income. Yeah, because when you think about it, taxes don't stop when your paycheck does, and when when you start tapping your retirement nest egg. Uh, there's all sorts of, of rules. There's opportunities, too, if you know what to do and how to do it. Because instead of contributing to a tax-deferred plan to reduce your taxes, you'll start tapping those accounts. You start pulling money out. You start paying taxes at ordinary income rates, unless you're taking money out of a Roth IRA. As you near retirement, tax planning becomes more important than ever, but you must use a forward-thinking tax strategy because truly you've got more control over paying taxes in, in retirement, more than you think, actually more so than any other time in your life. 